The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the doors were locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Bring your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. It's very special or amazing to think that the first message of Jesus to his apostles and disciples was peace be with you. He had been abandoned by them. He had been tortured and crucified and just had a very, very awful passion in which those who he loved most in the world for the most part weren't there with him. And yet Jesus comes to them as he comes to us today and says, despite the past, despite what perhaps uh, you've done, my message to you remains the same. Peace be with you. We're celebrating Divine Mercy Sunday, a special uh, saint that's involved with Divine Mercy. Her name is Saint Faustina from Poland. And she had a special revelation of Jesus, the Jesus that you see here on my vestment, Jesus who also appeared to her in this image of mercy which is God's tender love for us that touches our human weakness. We could celebrate God as all-powerful or omniscient or just many other the attributes of God, but today we glorify the fact that he's a merciful, loving Savior. I have a, a painting for you today that depicts the experience of the apostles and the disciples not recognizing Jesus at first, this is Rembrandt's painting. He's from the uh, 17th century Dutch painter. One of the things Rembrandt started to do after the Renaissance, he's 
we're moving on in art and you start to get art for art's sake and art where he wants to paint truly what he saw and not just paint things in a symbolic way, which meant a lot of the wealthy patrons that asked for their portraits were often a little bit let down because he wouldn't make them look prettier or more handsome. He would just paint them as they were. He kind of uh, was beginning a type of realism. But here's a painting of the resurrection of Jesus and it's Mary Magdalene, the moment in her experience of just realizing that the man she thought was the gardener actually was Jesus. So often to all of us, perhaps Jesus is here with us. He's in your life in some way, but you don't recognize him at first. In the painting, Jesus is standing in the center with this wide... I saw this painting years ago. I'm fond of it because i thinking of Jesus in this way with like a big gardener's hat on just didn't seem right. But then I studied theology and I realized some of the symbolism here which is so powerful. Mary Magdalene, she has her back to Jesus. She's actually focusing on the tomb. And Mary Magdalene has her hands in the burial cloths. She's focusing on the fact that she can't find Jesus and those cloths were the last place Jesus was. She just wants to be with Jesus wherever he is. There's an angel who's sitting there. The angel's a little, perhaps, surprised. Usually when the angels appear, humans just kind of, you know, we've, we are in awe and terror before them, and Mary Magdalene seems to not care too much. The angel just gets bored and has to sit down because it's not going the way he thought it would go, and Mary is just there with the burial cloths, and she has all this ointment we know that they already anointed Jesus' body with more than enough, but Mary's love is so great that nothing is too much for Jesus. So as soon as she can, she brings more ointment. All she wants is to be with our Lord. And so we think of Jesus here standing behind her, knowing her so well, knowing what she wants, and just this joy on his face as he says to her her nickname, we translate, we just say he says Mary, but he says Miriam, which is the name she would have been called in her hometown. She hears that voice and she turns around and her face is just recognizing this is Jesus. The light from the sun is passing through Jesus and it lands on her face where she's finally realizing the shadow is, is taken away by the light of Christ. This is Jesus the gardener. I want to talk about the Bible meaning of the gardener. Who was the first gardener in the Bible? In Genesis chapter two, we read that God planted a garden in Eden. God made this creation a beautiful place for us. By sin, we destroyed that place. By sin, we had to leave that beautiful place. And all through the Old Testament, God is preparing to once again start a new garden. Jesus is a new gardener like his father. Jesus, the first image we have of him in the resurrection is as a gardener, planting a new creation, a re-creation. If you think of the salvation that Jesus won for us on the cross, 
We can get a little theological here. It's so beautiful to think of God as a gardener. Any one of you here who likes to garden, I'm sure many of you here like to spend time in your garden. Perhaps your spouse might prefer to walk in a garden, which is another way of saying to go golfing, right? Anyone who that benefited can thank me later, right? We as humans often love gardens. We even decorate the altar with all the Easter lilies. There's something special about it. It's godlike. Jesus as a gardener means something for our salvation. On the cross, Jesus didn't save us by handing each of us a get out of jail free card. He didn't save us by giving us a free one-way ticket to heaven. He didn't save us because he's a great like lawyer who just sort of fixed our legal mess and got us out of a problem. He saved us by saying, if you let me, I will recreate your soul and transform you so that you will be able to enter into paradise. Jesus wants to plant the seeds of faith, hope, and love in our soul and to tend our soul in a way that we are transformed. God's grace doesn't just whisk us off to heaven by the back door. We become children of God at baptism. We are fed by the body and blood of Jesus that moment we made our first communion. God, when he created us at the moment of our birth, he didn't really ask us for permission. He didn't say, would you like me to create you and give you life? We recognize that only later. But God does want to ask our permission to recreate us. In a sense, there is a part of us that needs to say, yes, I believe. Like Thomas in the gospel, he had to overcome that lack of faith. He had to say yes. Jesus is waiting to recreate you. Sometimes a gardener is going to use the pruning shears. Jesus even used this as an example, right? You might not want to be pruned, but it's for your own good. And so today, the invitation from our Lord, this gentle, loving, merciful invitation is, let me be a part of your life. Let me tend the garden of your soul. Let me recreate you and transform you into something beautiful for God. That's something that each one of us, hopefully today, will, will say yes to. Letting God into your life is going to be the best decision that you'll ever make. Perhaps... Jesus is hidden somewhere in your life and you need to recognize him. Maybe he's like Mary experienced the gardener with her back to him, wanting him so badly and he was right there behind her all along. Hopefully, perhaps today we can, like Mary, be able to turn around and open our eyes through faith to our Lord who's been with us through whatever's going on in our life. However dark it might have been, he's never going to abandon us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.